0: Hello, and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan. I am your host, R.T. Fleming, and it is my mission to help you find your next digital comic book pick from the golden age to now. I have been reading comic books for over 40 years, and have never lost my passion for comic books. something I try to pass on to old and new readers. It's Wednesday, August 16th, 2023, and this is episode 120 of the podcast Today, the guest has a campaign going, not with Kickstarter, but Zoop. Benjamin Morris will discuss his new hardcover art book and collection, August Purgatory Underground, and why he went to the Zoop platform. makes for a fascinating guest. I love bringing these types of campaigns onto the show. If you're new to the podcast and you're checking it out for the first time, thank you so much. Please continue to stample the show. I cover comic books from the golden age all the way to the not-so-quite present. Usually a short-form podcast, 15, 20 minutes long, so I'm not wasting your time. And you're leaving us something good to go find as in comic books. Please look at the show notes. Follow the podcast on social media. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. I want the podcast to continue growing, as I said, introduce fans to a different way of discovering and reading fantastic comic books. Now on today's show. Today I am talking another Kickstarter. Regular listeners will know that I cover a lot of Kickstarters over the almost years of doing the podcast. Today, I have Benjamin Morse, who is actually number 22 on that list of Kickstarters. Very cool. Happy to have him on here. Before we talk about it, Ben, tell us your comic book origin story, what got you into comic books, and made you a lifelong fan.
1: Well, first, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate uh, being able to come on here and talk some comics. Uh, my comic book origin story is probably goes back to Superman the movie. Uh, I was, I think... Uh, maybe two or three when they started playing it on television for like the Tuesday night movie. And I was blown away. Never really uh, stopped liking that stuff, uh, which of course got me into, you know, all the cartoons of the era, your transformers, your Voltron, stuff like that. And aside from being a little bit more interested in, in baseball until I was about 10, I, uh, I, I saw Batman, the movie in 89. and was just completely hooked. I was at the comic store every time I could get there. I was reading comics in the newsstand at the grocery store and never really stopped.
0: You, I always like asking people that question because depending on what their answer immediately dates them. You said newsstand. Yeah. Uh, I'll have guys that talk about spinner racks and the pharmacy or the comic book shop. Oh, so, yes, yeah. you, 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 it's like carbon dating when people talk about their comic book story. Certain key things just pop right out. All right, you're both an artist and a writer. What put you down that path as a creator?
1: Probably, I mean, I'm an artist first, so, and that's what I do, you know, my regular work is, is all artwork, graphic design, video stuff, and I've always been, you know, my my main goal really in the back of my head was always be a comic artist, that's always what I wanted to do, and as far as writing goes, I, I kind of got into that part of it as a good uh, vehicle for for my art in a lot of ways, to be able to build a narrative and a, a story around the things I thought I'd be good at drawing, or I thought would be fun to draw and fun to look at, Uh, I'd worked with a few writers in different projects and and had really good experiences. But my, I kind of, I was feeling a little constrained by, you know, when you're collaborating with a writer, sometimes their goals uh, for what is a good, cool bit of writing, you're not necessarily what's going to make a cool page, what's going to get you, uh, you know, the next job or something like that as an artist, you're really kind of on different tracks in a lot of ways. so. I didn't really have a lot of good ideas for stories until about 10 or 15 years ago, things started coming to me. I'd write them down. I'd start to work on how to organize them, how to build a narrative that I think would be fun to read, and then kind of found good ways to kind of marry my art and writing stuff to, to put that together. So it was a little bit of a practical thing to to kind of make projects that I, I wanted to do. And I, I don't want to knock writers necessarily. I, I still work with a lot of different writers and really enjoy it. But you know, sometimes when you're looking at a book, um, depending if it's a graphic novel or an ongoing series or even a single issue, that's a huge time commitment for an artist. So, uh, you know, I, I try to really, if I'm going to invest that time, I want a lot of it to be in stuff. I really, really, um, you know, kind of generate myself. Uh, it it kind of makes the artwork a little more, um, It gives me more opportunities, I think, to make the artwork shine because I can kind of be planning out things that will make the artwork cool and make the story work really well, rather than one person just caring about the art, one person just caring about, you know, say the dialogue or a, a cool plot twist. Um, you know, you're, you're really doing both things at the same time. And I think that gives me a pretty good result. At least that's what I found so far.
0: You have a very distinctive art style. I was looking at the different projects you have. What are some of your influences as an artist? Who influenced you?
1: The big influences on me are Steve Rude and Al Williamson. Uh, Al Williamson did a lot of the Star Wars strips in the 80s, I'd say, and uh, did a lot of Flash Gordon work he's really well known for. Steve Rude's done a lot of stuff. I think he's most well known for his DC work. He did the World's Finest series with Dave Gibbons in, I think, 91 or 92. And those guys are kind of my real, you know, like my biggest influences, the ones I'm always looking at, uh, always learning something about how they've done things. As far as other influences go, it really does vary from project to project. In a lot of cases, I will look at, you know, what a certain story needs. Um, I have a story I'm working on that's a sequel to August Purgatory Underground that's going to be a little quieter um, in a lot of ways. And I've been looking at artwork that is really dynamic. I'm like, all right, if it's going to be a little more dialogue driven, a little bit more of a chase movie sort of plot, I want this to look like Rob Liefeld with like Dale Keown and I want it to really be popping off the page. Other stories like We Are Scarlet Twilight, I looked at a lot of golden age stuff, trying to make sure it really captured that era while still being a little modern. So I kind of have my my two main influences. And then other than that, it really I look at the story I want to tell, what elements are in it, what's going to be cool about it, and just figure out, okay, what's what's a good spice to add to that mix? Kind of what's going to make that. What's going to complement that story and make it, make it easier for the reader to go along with it.
0: So tell me about Captain August, the Kickstarter and how this whole project came about.
1: So the character has been around at least with me for about 10 years. I started developing it, um, did a lot of different pitches with the character was kept refining the story and, and it pretty much just grew from there. Uh, it was first published in 2022 with red five comics and we're doing this collection on Zoop that is basically a kind of a different version of the story. It collects the issues one through four that were published, and then a huge amount of unpublished material from that 10-year period where I was doing different versions, messing around with different art styles, concept art, designs, and different versions of the story. So it's a little over 200 pages altogether with all the extra stuff in there. And it's um, it's got a lot of different looks at characters, a lot of different plot points that weren't explored in the final version, uh, and a 13-page prequel that was one of my initial pitches that is actually made from a few different versions that somehow kind of all fit together within the continuity of the story. So it's been around for about a decade, published for a year or two, and uh, hopefully we'll just keep going with it.
0: Who would appeal, what, what type of audience would uh, like to read Captain August? So
1: if you're a fan of, I'd say, Star Wars, and then in a larger sense, you know, if you're into superheroes, if you're especially into 80s cartoons like the Transformers, G.I. Joe, Thundercats, um, He-Man, really, you're going to like this. Um, I looked at a lot of, when I was kind of putting together the final version of this story, I looked at a lot of the reaction you get to the Star Wars sequels from the last decade, from the He-Man reboot they did on Netflix. There's a lot of negative reaction there. And as I looked at that, kind of from a writer artist standpoint, I thought, well, some of those criticisms are fair, but also some of them, there's really no other way they could have done things. They were kind of, you have to bring something back, you have to make it modern, you have to change things. But when you change things, you, you tend to upset people. So my approach here was to take something, make a modern story, but then also look at it and say, well, how can I put the nostalgia in afterwards? So I created a lot of extra stuff and different parts of the story are done in flashback styles that look like 80s cartoons to kind of give you the nostalgia, but not necessarily any of that. Well, wait a second. They didn't have as much of this character as I'd hoped. So it's kind of a reverse reboot, um, if I can be a little pretentious and call it that. So if you're into that stuff, but you're a little, you know, you didn't I didn't like what they did with Luke Skywalker. I didn't like that He-Man wasn't around enough in that Netflix cartoon. Uh, This is kind of a, a story I made to kind of get across some of those things without without sort of giving you that that kind of whiplash where the, the needs of the new story don't necessarily match up with the needs for what you want from revisiting an old franchise.
0: What else have you done outside of Captain August, briefly?
1: Uh, I did uh, a few issues on a Warehouse 13 adaptation in the early 2010s. I've done a few different pitches for lots of places. I've done um uh, another book called We are Scarlet Twilight that we did Kickstarter and then completed on Zoop last year, uh, which is kind of a golden age throwback. And then I'm working on a few things I can't announce quite yet with a few other publishers. Um, some some of them just the artist some them collaborating with some creators. and uh, I think that, that about rounds out the bibliography right now.
0: You keep mentioning Zoop. Most people do Kickstarters at the Kickstarter campaign group. Why did you choose Zoop this time around?
1: Well, i had been talking to Zoop for a while. Uh, There was a project I'm going to work on in a few years, hopefully, that I was kind of talking with them like, hey, this might be cool to do here. And what really got me to go over there uh, for Scarlet Twilight was, um, like I've mentioned, I'm doing for these books, I do the writing, I do the art, I do the coloring, the lettering, the pre-press, everything. And it got to be putting the campaign on Kickstarter made it really difficult to keep my schedule as far as creating goes. So for three, I was a little delayed um, and I I didn't like that obviously, and, and kind of looked at my workflow and said, all right, I need to, I need to revisit this and make some changes where I can. And I thought of Zoop. So what they do is they'll run everything campaign related. They'll put up the campaign page. They'll run the campaign, obviously, and they'll handle fulfillment. And the big part of the fulfillment is not necessarily just like the folding of the boxes and, and sending them out. It's, talking to printers talking to you know sources for add-ons things like that and they handled all that so that's what really made it a big difference maker for me was just logistically i need to find a way to if i'm going to do all the creative work i need to find a way to have somebody else help me out with the other stuff and what a great surprise that having gone over there for those sort of logistical reasons zoop's team they're all comic book guys they're all editors they're very good at you know kind of giving you great suggestions on what works for campaigns, the market we're in. Uh, the the Kickstarter is a great platform and it's big, but I found when I was running campaigns my, myself, there were a lot of things that fit for the things that do a lot of other stuff on Kickstarter, but aren't a great fit for comics. So uh, that's why I think Zoop's a great platform is it's very comic focused. But uh,
0: before we wrap this up, you get the last word. <laughs> Any parting comments?
1: oh i'm sorry um could you re- i'm sorry about that
0: no no that's fine uh you get the last word any closing mm-hmm. comments before we wrap this one up
1: um any closing comments Well, I, I guess i would just say if if you're into kind of some of the things i've described um you know your 80s cartoons all right sorry i'm gonna stop here before i get going
0: um, let me go back. I'll repeat the question again. Sorry about then. that. No, that's okay. My <laughs> guests usually do the same thing, so we'll go no, back. let me. Uh, let me get him out of here. He wasn't here before, and uh... it's because you're taping.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Sorry about that. No, you're fine. The cats only okay. come out when you're taping. they That's that's when they they know you're doing something, so they yeah, come out. Well,
1: with you know, I usually try and 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 uh and uh chance it because if I sometimes if I close the door, they sit outside and they yell at me. So if they're not around, i was like, oh, I'll just leave it open, and sometimes they behave. So
0: I usually have a stash of pens here that as they're coming in to the, to the office here, I throw things at them, and they go run off before they actually start to cry and howl. Oh, okay. or, so, <laughs> <I haven't
1: laughs> all right. thought of that yet?
0: There we go. All right. Yeah. Sorry, you, you get the last word. Any closing comments before we wrap this up?
1: Um, just that, uh, you know, if you're into some of the stuff I've mentioned, the you know, the throwbacks or reboots of 80s stuff, Star Wars, superhero stuff from that era, um, give the campaign a look if you uh, if you would. Um, it's over at zoop.gg. We're running until August 31st, and it's uh, a great, I mean, I think it's great. Two hundred plus page collection of, you know, story cover gallery, unused sections of the book, uh, and a lot of concept art. So if you're into that stuff, um, and I certainly am. That's definitely uh, all those old franchises and all that old, all those old comic books. That's what runs through my veins. So if you're into that stuff too, um, check it out, and uh, hopefully you like it.
0: Benjamin Moore, Moore Benjamin Moore's with the August campaign over on Zoop. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. There'll be information on the show notes. Hope to see you again on the podcast. Thanks again for joining me. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you, a fantastic comic fan, at gmail.com. Remember, new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time.